This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 294, submission number 1405, Marblehead Manor. Marblehead Manor aired in syndication and on NBC's primetime starts at 7.30 from September 19th of 1987 to May 28th, 1988, for a total of 24 episodes. It's a grand life. It's a grand life. It's a night that the world in my hand life. It's a fairy tale land life. There's never any reason to wonder So if you remember, Greg, uh, and by the way, at least for now, Greg is the only person who's with me because Chico's having some life stuff going on. If you remember, Greg, back in episode 61, so we're talking well over two years ago at this point. Wow, two years ago. Yeah. We talked about primetime begins at 730 on NBC which consisted of this show, Marblehead Manor, on Mondays. And then Tuesdays, you had She's the Sheriff. On Wednesdays, you had You Can't Take It With You. Thursdays was Out of This World. And uh, probably the only of these series that is in never cover territory. Because it was a fun show. I love Out of This World. And I'm not saying that because my Little League coach, in like 1984 was uh, the boyfriend of uh, Evie on that show. But also on Friday, and we talked about this previously, was the revival of We Got It Made. Yes. And we talked about We Got It Made previously on episode 66. Ah, 66. Three short of 69. If you turn the six around... It is a nine, so if you look at it, maybe you could kind of imagine it's episode 69. Wrong! So like I said, episode 66 was We Got It Made. <laughs> now, Marblehead Manor, the best way to describe it is just the eccentricities of a very rich family. And just the goofy stuff that goes on on their estate. And among the people working at the estate, since obviously, you know, rich people, you had a butler and head of household staff named Albert, who'd known uh, the main character, the uh, patriarch of the family, since they were little children. And uh, there's a groundskeeper, Rick, who had a thing for uh, the maid of the house. Ooh. Show- uh, yeah, ooh, yes. Uh, you had a chauffeur j- named Jerry, a handyman named Dwayne. And uh, the wife who 
comes across as a very materialistic named Hillary. And rounding out the people in the manor, not in the family themselves, is Lupe's mischievous son named Elvis. Elvis! Elvis, yes. And we should add that uh, Randolph, the way he got rich was due to uh, his family's corn oil fortune. Corn oil. Okay. So basically this show just revolved around the uh, hijinks that happened at Marblehead Manor, at, at this, this palatial estate. Let's go over the cast because there's some actual big names in this cast. Oh, yes, there is. There are uh, more than uh, just a few names that are, are, are big uh, and people that we've talked about in the past. So we'll start off by talking about the patriarch of the family named uh, Randolph Stonehill, played by Bob Frazier. Where would you know Bob Frazier from? He was more of a producer type than an actor. He produced, how about this for a variety of shows? Well, first off, he was a producer at Marblehead Manor. So he starred on the show that he produced. But also he was a producer on Benson, big show in the early 80s. He produced previous entry, Condo. And he also produced uh, on Wipeout, the the, uh, syndicated uh, Peter Tamarkin show, not the ABC show. He produced three episodes of Marblehead Manor, He produced 68 episodes of Benson, co-produced 37 of them. He also did Full House. uh, He was a supervising producer on 11 episodes of Full House. Wow. Yeah, he did quite a bit. In terms of acting, he did actually play a senator on 12 episodes of Benson and it looks like it's the final season of Benson. Looks like it's 1985-86. Okay, yeah, 85-86 was Benson's last year. Yeah. So he's more of a behind-the-scenes uh, name than anything else. Playing his darling wife, Hillary Stonehill, Linda Thorson. Linda Thorson may best be known as the person who replaced uh, Diana Rigg on the Avengers in the late 60s. She was not quite Anna Blackman or Dame Diana Rigg. Yeah, and uh, Al Bundy can vouch for that uh, because on an episode of Married with Children, uh, him and uh, Jefferson ordered a set of VHS tapes for the Avengers, and they're excited to see Emma Peel uh, kicking with her legs and seeing Peel cheeks. And... I'll put the clip here. They were just a little disappointed that the episodes they got were Linda Thorson episodes. Well, honey, yes, I'm excited for you, but you know me. I don't get all gushy and emotional. The tape's here. (laughs) Wait a second, Jefferson. This isn't an Emma Peel Avengers. This is a Linda. We couldn't get anybody else to do the show Thorson Avengers. <laughs> Jefferson, we've been hornswoggled. <laughs> and, you know what, and you know what? I bet it was, Mike. I bet it was one of those crappy, like, Time Life VHS sets they bought. It had to be. And also, remember, this is the mid to late 90s. 
So you know, for like three episodes or four episodes, it was like forty dollars a tape. Oh, for sure. And then you got a new tape every like three months, and and eventually you had the whole series, and then VHS became obsolete, and you had to buy the whole series on DVD. That's how it works. That's how they get you. Starring as the butler, Albert Dudley, that I mentioned earlier, is Paxton Whitehead. Paxton Whitehead, you may remember Paxton Whitehead as Hal Conway, primarily on the last season of Mad About You. Yes, the original version, because there was that one weird reboot season. I think that was like exclusive if you had Comcast, which is like weird. But I was never a big fan of Mad About no, You. No, so I, I wasn't either. It's all news to me. No. Hey, if if I want my Paul Reiser fix, it's going to be for on My Two Dads or Stranger Things. So, Yeah, that works. Playing the show for Jerry Stockton, this is a name we talked about about two and a half, three weeks ago with Mr. Merlin. Phil Morris, Jackie Childs himself. That's right. And Greg, you're not going to believe it. I'm going to pull this up because it's right behind me. You, I, it's still sealed. One of the two bags of the uh, cheddar cheese uh, pretzel pieces. From Snyder's. From, from Snyder's of Hanover. I still haven't touched it. It's been here for three weeks. But Noodles has started to chew the bag. And she wants to get into this more than I do, apparently. You have no idea how much I cheer whenever I see that head on freebie during Young Rock. It's a great ad if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And I've seen it on linear TV, so it's out there. But like I said, where we would all best know him is Jackie Childs on Seinfeld. Did that cigarette warning label mention anything about damage to your appearance? No, no, it didn't say anything. So you were a victim. And now your face is sallow, unattractive, disgusting. (laughs) So Jackie, you think we got a case? Your face is my case. But also, his daddy is Greg Morris. That's right. Password legend Greg Morris. Absolutely. Well, Phil Morris is a Match Game 98 legend, if that even exists. Yeah, that is right. He was on Match Game 98. The Michael Quite Berger a bit, version. yeah. He wasn't a regular, but he, he appeared semi-frequently. Semi-regular on Match Game 98. So Yeah. Playing Dwayne Stockton who's the handyman of uh, the manor is Rodney Scott Hudson. And really he has two credits to his name on IMDb, this and a TV movie called dinner at eight, where he was a wine steward. I'm guessing like a Somalia type. Who is in dinner at eight? Who's in dinner at eight? Yes. I want to know who's in dinner at eight. John Mahoney. John Mahoney. This is, there's actually some names here. Listen, oh my gosh, there's some names here. John Mahoney, Marsha Mason, Charles Durning, Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall in a TV movie? Lauren Bacall. I, I, this is obviously right near the end of her life, I'd assume. But yeah, Lauren Bacall, Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin! Joel, Joel Brooks. Oh my God, Joel Brooks! And Julia Sweeney. Oh, this is a great... Oh, well, then we're going to put this on the list. Damn it. Dinner at eight. 
There you go. If we can find it. Oh, actually, Lauren Bacall, this by no means was her last role. Uh, she passed away. I didn't know she passed away in, in 2014. Yeah, because I think, wasn't she nominated like in the 90s, I think, for like an Oscar in like 97 or something? She may have been. I, I really don't know. It's just, she's a legend. She did do some stuff with Humphrey. Weren't they married her and Humphrey Bogart? I think at one point they were. Yeah. Uh, Jason Robards uh, was married to her at one point. Yes. Because I remember, like, there was this, uh, there was, like, an, uh, the American experience about um, Harry Truman. There was, like, some pictures with um, when Harry Truman was vice president of, like, him playing the piano with Lauren Bacall. And you know who narrated that episode of the American experience? And funny enough. Who was it? Jason Robards. Oh, my gosh. It's all full circle. All full circle. But actually, take a look at her IMDb. I thought I knew a lot about Family Guy. She had a voice in Family Guy in 2014. Wow. Oh, neat. That's amazing. I'm just totally shocked. I didn't know Lauren Bacall was such a big fan of Family Guy. It was a paycheck. It was a paycheck, and she would have been like, what? Near the end of her life, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she died in uh, August of 2014. She was 89 years old at the time, so yeah. She maybe along. she just didn't know what Family Guy is. Yeah, okay, I'll take the check. Or maybe she really liked Seth MacFarlane's uh, standard stuff. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much music she did, but if you haven't heard uh, Seth MacFarlane sing, my gosh, he's got a set of pipes on him. All right, let's All continue right. with the cast. And I'm not, yeah, enough about Dinner at Eight. I love we're just finding new entries just through sort of uh, kind of randomly going through imdb all right playing lupe that we mentioned earlier diana ortelli yeah she doesn't even have a wikipedia page yeah she she's been in a lot of stuff i see that uh she did a voice in rocket power for 13 episodes yeah rocket power that's a big nickelodeon show yeah, that was big back in the day. Oh, she was a prostitute on Silk Stockings. <laughs> which now airs four times a day on Z Living. Four times a day on Z Living. So if you need your fix of eugenics, <laughs> you can watch Silk Stockings on Z Living. And, and they start at the beginning of the run. So, yeah, you get your early eugenics, and then you get the uh, the USA post-wrestling version. Yeah, after Monday Night Raw, baby. Watch those two checks. And by the way, I'm watching as we're recording this, I'm watching SummerSlam right now on Peacock. So So you watch Monday Night Raw and then watching Silk Stockings, you really get raw. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Playing uh, Elvis, uh, Lupe's son, is Humberto Ortiz. And actually, Diana Ortelli and Humberto Ortiz, interestingly enough, they were both in Three Amigos. Oh. Yeah. Classic Three Amigos. Underrated. I I know some people don't like it, but I loved Three Amigos. Oh, I did too as a kid. Oh, yeah. Even as an adult. But yeah, it's one of those underrated movies that uh, uh, from our childhoods because, I mean... Yeah, I know you're not that much uh, younger than me, but 
I remember going to the theater back in like 86, 87 and seeing it. That was uh, a great movie. Oh, yeah. And they'd play it on HBO all the time when I was a kid. And then last but not least among the regular cast was the groundskeeper Rick, who had the uh, eyes, the hots for Lupe, played by Michael Richards. Oh, yes. So you had Jackie Childs and you had Kramer. Yeah, you had two of the key cast members from Seinfeld on this show. And we'll just keep it at that because, quoting Chico, we don't talk about Michael Richards. No, 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 no. Although the Iron Sheik certainly has a lot to say about Michael Richards. I want to let you know, Kermit, you no good low like son of a bitch, a skinny bastard. I'm going to come, put you, suplex you, I'll put you in the camera crutch, and I'm going to f*** your ass. After that amazing clip from Sheiky, I think we just need to dive into the episodes. Good. Yes. How, how can we top Sheiky, baby? After that, I don't think we can. That was great. So we'll start with episode one, called Diamond in the Roughage. Randolph buys a diamond ring to give to his wife for her birthday, but when he entrusts it to Alfred, he misplaces it. The staff embarks on a wild hunt to recover the ring. Hilarity ensues. You know what they said when he lost the ring? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, more about that next week. Yes! Wink, wink, wink. Yes. Uh, we have a very, very amazing episode next week, tangentially related to that. I'm not going to give any details, but oh my gosh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Stay tuned for that uh, a week from uh, Thursday. So that would be the uh, the 11th of August. That takes us to episode two called Puppy Love. Rick secretly gives Hillary a puppy named Albert. Soon everyone thinks Hillary is having a love affair with Albert the butler. Susan! Uh-oh! <laughs> That never gets old. Well, we don't have any guest stars on this episode. One name that I noticed behind the scenes directing this episode is Rob Danes. He, among other things, produced Benson, Marblehead Manor. So again, uh, two shows that uh, that Paxton Whitehead uh, directed. But also, I remember his name from Wipeout. There's another Wipeout connection. Because I told you, uh, Paxton Whitehead uh, produced uh, at least one episode of uh, Wipeout. About Rob Dames, IMDb says uh, he was an executive producer on at least one episode of Wipeout. But I remember his name at the end of the show uh, as a production partner with Woody Frazier. Episode three is titled Madam Butterfat. <laughs> not, not Madam Butterfly, Madam Butterfat. A visiting opera singer mistakenly believes Albert has a crush on her after she receives an anonymous love letter. The letter was not from Albert, but he must play along. First name among the guest stars playing the opera singer. We've talked about her. Numerous times. 
Wendy Jo Sperber. Oh, yes. Oh, we miss her so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about her basically being the it girl for, I shouldn't say it girl, but the the, the, the main female uh, used on uh, Fox's sitcoms in their first three to four years. And also we talked about uh, her in uh, American Dad. Yeah. Posthumously, I believe. Yeah, posthumously. But also, let's not forget, she was Morty McFly's sister in Back to the Future. We talked about her there as well, absolutely. And we're definitely going to talk about her in the future because she was on Babes. (laughs) Yep, Babes. Oh, your cat just walked in. Your cat just did a run-in. Yeah, she's right behind me showing... uh, her, her her backside I, of the I, uh, camera. I mentioned Back to the Future, and her cat's like, "Woo, Back to the Future." Oh, and in case you didn't see it last Thursday on Pressure Luck, the Doc Brown whammy. <laughs> I was dead. That was unexpected and hilarious. And actually, if you didn't see last Thursday's episode, you got to watch it. Oh yes, I won't say anything, but oh my god. That was on your seat, tension and anxiety. That was one of the most just thrilling things I ever saw. It was amazing. Amazing and heartbreaking at the same time. Go see Pressure Luck, the uh, episode that aired on uh, the 28th of July. All right. Episode number four is entitled Safe at Home. Albert hears he will be fired, so he writes an insulting resignation letter. But when he hears the rumor is false, he has to get the letter back. That's why you just don't put your foot in your mouth when you think you're going to be fired because it's just a rumor. And, of course, hilarity ensued when he tried to get that letter back. (laughs) No guest stars in that episode. We're going to go to episode five, Good Impressions. To entertain an unexpected guest... Albert must impersonate Randolph and everyone at the manor ends up as someone else. Okay. Uh, And also Albert is unaware that uh, the man is a potential business associate of Randolph's. So eek, you don't want to make fun of a business associate, especially a a millionaire business associate coming to do business with uh, the manor, the head of the manor. Oh yeah. And in that role as the business associate is Ethan Phillips. Ethan Phillips has done a little bit of everything. Uh, He was on four episodes of Girls on HBO. Oh, Uh, hold on. Hold on. You mentioned Girls, so we got to play the clip. I wasn't paying that much attention to girls uh, to notice Soup was involved. Oh, I no, I don't either, but that's like a meme, Adam Driver saying good soup. Okay. Well, since we always have to get a Star Trek reference in here, he did play on 168 episodes of Star Trek Voyager. He was Neelix. Neelix! Yeah! That's great. Uh, and also, he was on... 94 episodes of Benson uh, as Pete Downey. Pete Downey. Looks like he was on most of the series uh, up until the final season. Looks like uh, his character was removed, killed off uh, in 1985. Okay. 
so another connection to to Benson here, since we already mentioned uh, the two people on the show that produced Benson. We also talked about Ethan Phillips back in episode 150 in Not Another High School Show, where he delivered this great one-liner. If someone ever offers you cocaine, you look him straight in the eye, and you say you need to sample the goods first. You don't want to get stuck with the cheap shit, do you, Jimmy? Episode 6 is entitled The Fondle Workout. Not the Fonda workout, the Fondle workout. Because <laughs> get it, Jane Fonda's workout tapes were very popular back in 1987 and 88. Yeah, it's the 80s. Jane Fonda workout was everything. Did Blue what? Hey, wait, 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 wait. Wasn't there a Jane Fonda workout tape with Funhouse? Yes, there was. Yeah, I remember this. I don't think there was one. I think there was at least two, maybe even three. That's amazing. Jane Fonda and Funhouse. Two things that should not go together, but they did. Lupe learns that Hillary wants to have a baby and becomes convinced that Jerry is the chosen father. Jerry being Phil Morris. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm not touching that with a forklift. All right. Moving on to episode seven, full dress. Albert must oversee a party and a funeral when the body of Randolph's recently deceased cousin is delivered while the staff prepares for the Stone Hills anniversary party. Oh my gosh, it's weekend at Bernie's two years earlier. Oh my God. Does it have the scene where from weekend at Bernie's where... Bernie's on the uh, the boat, but like he's skiing and he gets hit with the buoys and it rings the noise. Ding, 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 ding. Unless they have like a big lake in the backyard. I don't think so. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Episode, oh no. Oh no, this is going to bring back memories of a show that we added on the list. Like two years ago. Oh no, what is it? Episode eight is I Led Three Wives. <laughs> oh, right. Because I had three wives. Right. But I, I think maybe in this case, wives and lives. But your mind went exactly where my mind went. I, I, I had three wives. Yes. Dwayne <sighs> leads the Stonehills into believing he is married. <laughs> and when they wish to meet her, talks Jerry into becoming. His pretend wife. Phil Morris is going to be the pretend wife. What the hell? What? Wait, what? What? Phil Morris is going to be in drag this episode? Uh, apparently. I don't want to see Phil Morris in drag. You're one of the few. Oh my gosh. Oh my, I need to take a breather after that. Holy crap. Oh my god! <laughs> In this episode, playing Jack Spivey as Wendell Wright, he's one of those people who uh, made the rounds in the 70s, 80s, uh, up until 2008. He's still with us. Uh, he's essentially that guy from that show, if you will. All right. Using terminology that we use around here. We may have talked about him in the past, though, because he was on an episode of The Powers of Matthew Starr. 
Oh, the powers of Matthew Starr. Matthew Starr DOA. I, I don't think that was the one that I saw uh, in a daze when I was like OD'd on, on antibiotics in the hospital. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a relief. Glad to hear that. All right. Episode nine is All in a Night's Work. K-N-I-G-H-T. Not night as an opposite day. In order to impress Hillary, Randolph decides to stage a burglary in which he will catch the crooks and save the day. But things don't go as planned. Hilarity ensues, of course. And actually, Hillary ends up saving the day all thanks to Randolph's uh, ineptness, if you will. We'll, we'll call it ineptness. Episode 10 is titled Egg McGuffin. <laughs> oh, my God. Egg McGuffin. <laughs> egg McGuffin. Because get it? Egg it's a, it's yeah. Egg McMuffin, but also McGuffin is a common term in the movies. Yeah. Randolph decides to auction off a jeweled egg, which was from Albert, a family heirloom. He gave his collateral for a loan Randolph never paid back. That's really nice if uh, if he was given an egg as collateral for a loan. Those jeweled eggs, Fabergé eggs, are not cheap. Oh, no. No guests there, so we'll go to episode 11, an ant hill for Hillary. And uh, the word ant is A-U-N-T. So, or, <laughs> or, or an aunt hill for Hillary. Aunt hill. Aunt Hill or Aunt Hill. Randolph asks Hillary and Albert to play host to his hostile aunt. Otherwise, he will lose his company. The hostile aunt. This is a name, and it's not even a name from television. The one and only Natalie Cole. Oh, yes, Natalie Cole. What do we need to say besides uh, daughter of Nat King Cole? And unforgettable. I mean, that would be. Oh yeah, that about is... four, about the three, four years away at this point. Oh yeah, and that's one of the most amazing. I mean, it's an incredible piece of technology that they had, like that, with her dead, who had been long since passed away. Oh yeah, I mean, if you've seen the video, that is amazing uh, for thirty-plus-year-old technology. Oh man. And unfortunately, she's not with us any longer. Yeah. We, did lose her. yeah, we did lose her in 2015. Man, I can't believe it's been that long. Wow. Well, she died on December 31st of 2015. So it's been about six and a half years. But still, yeah, legend. Le- legend and not even a legend for acting, really. Episode 12 is entitled Ballet Russe or uh, Ruse, R-U-S-E. Not not uh, like Russian, like Russian ballet. If it's called Ballet Russe, it has to do with the Russians. Oh, look at this. KGB agents attempt to capture Rick, who is the exact double of a defecting Soviet ballet dancer. And remember, Rick is, is Michael Richards. So he has a <laughs> doppelganger out there that, so there's a Russian. A, so there's a Michael Richards that does ballet. In some parallel universe or in Russia, yeah. <laughs> oh He's on par of Brishnikov. And I should add, 
that uh, the KGB have orders to bring back uh, the dancer to USSR. So Michael Richards may be going on a vacation. He, he may be doing the uh, Brittany uh, Griner thing. He may be going back to the USSR. Oh, oh, jeez. Oh, no. 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 Look, Mike, we got some serious issues right now going with pressure in the world right now. The last thing we need to do is cause an international incident over an episode from 35 years ago of Marblehead Manor. Back in the USS, back in the USS, back in the USSR. Oh, no. Oh, I'm not saying anything about Brittany Griner. We're just going to move on. Good. Yeah. Moving on to episode 13. Oh, my gosh. This is another episode title, which is a pun, and I hate it so much. T for tuba. <laughs> T for tuba. <laughs> While the Stone Hills are on vacation, available urn is smashed. The staff turn the matter into a hotel in order to raise enough money to replace the urn. Oh, my gosh. We do have two guests on this episode. One minor one that I know Greg will appreciate. Playing Gretel in this episode is Judith Marie Bergen. We talked about her previously on Domestic Life. She was Candy Crane. Oh. Yeah. I think that was uh, Martin Mole's wife. Yes. If I remember correctly. Yeah. But a bigger name, at least I think to me and Greg, playing Hansel in this episode is Ray Burke. Greg, he played Papschmear in the Naked Gun movies. Oh, yes. Papschmear in the Naked Gun movies. And he was on a 1996 episode of Wings. Wait a minute. What did you just say? Oh, he was on uh, seven episodes of Silk Stockings. Is that what you're talking about? No, 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 no. The other thing. What did you say? Oh, uh, 1996 episode of, of some show that was on NBC. What was it called? It rhymed with rings. Oh, you mean wings? Well, Mike, I'm going to tell you something. And you know what? This is okay. I've never told anybody this ever. Uh-huh. I've never told anybody this. So, okay. I hope you're sitting down. I- I'm secure and in my seat, yes. I love wings. You're kidding. No. And you know why I love wings? Because clearly it made uh, Crystal Bernard's career. Well, yes. But it also made Tony Shalhoub's career. Son of a gun. Oh, my gosh. I did not know that. And now I do. Almost 300 episodes into this uh, podcast. podcast. Yeah, I never told anybody this. I'm glad. This is the first time I've ever said it. I'm glad you got it off your chest. But yeah, he was also on seven episodes of Silk Stockings. Looks like around 1994, 1995. So that would be the fourth season. They would have been on USA by that point. I can't believe we have a Papschmear reference in here. Oh, that's great. All right, we're moving on to episode 14, which is entitled Starstruck. A jealous Randolph arranges to chaperone a dinner that Hillary is having with an old flame of hers, a Hollywood megastar. That megastar was played by Jay Ingram, 
and he does not have anything really of note in his career outside of it looks like uh seven episodes of days of our lives eight episodes of edge of night and he appeared on an episode of riptide one of our favorites oh riptide's great oh that was superb it was all and, about that robot and, and decades just did a weekend binge maybe about six weeks ago of riptide oh that had the most 80s opening ever and of course, that was the Stephen J. Cannell show. Do, 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 do. Hold on. Let me. Let me oh, no, no, you're not going to do it again. I'm going to. I just got this. It's just this little yellow. Do, 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 do. <laughs> All right. Episode 15, titled The Ladies Not for Spurning. Albert finds himself pursued by a vamp whom he once had a brief encounter with while on holiday in Hawaii. And playing the vamp in question is Victoria Carroll, primarily known as a voice actress, uh, did voices uh, for Problem Child, the cartoon, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, Shirt Tales, and uh, she did voice work in 13 episodes of The Incredible Hulk, specifically looks like the final season, 82-83. Episode 16 is Baby on Board, because remember that was really big in the day, the Baby on Board signs. A lot of 80s references here. Rick is mystified by a toddler that Lupe had agreed to babysit. He's convinced it's an alien being. Space alien, not, not the alien type of alien. No guests of note in that episode, so we'll go to episode 17. Now for a rebuttal. With rebuttal spelled R-E hyphen B-U-T-L-E. As in the butler. Albert asks Jerry to fill in his butler so he can attend a wedding. But Jerry does such a great job, Albert is worried he may be replaced. Moving on to episode 18, Chinny Chin Chum. Randolph sends Rick out to pick up lunch for his guests, but Rick returns with a pig that was stolen from a local college. <laughs> How does that happen? How? How does that happen? He's going to get lunch. He returns with a pig stolen from a local college, like a mascot. I think this is like Oinky on uh, The Simpsons or whatever it was. Or no, was Oinky The Simpsons or was that uh, Futurama where they stole the pig? I think it was Futurama. Yeah, the pig on The Simpsons from The Simpsons movie was, wasn't his name? Was Harry Pig. Spider Pig, then he was Harry Plopper. Yeah, Harry Plopper, yeah. So this sounds a little like the premise of an episode of uh, Futurama where Fry and uh, his uh, college uh, roommates steal a, a pig, the mascot from a rival uh, college. Oh, my gosh. But, hey, we got a name in this episode. Playing Cookie, the one and only Charo. Coochie Coochie. Coochie Coochie. And if you don't know who Charo is, you're probably like 25. Yeah, but she's a legend. 
She's absolutely a legend, yes. And in this episode, playing a police officer is Cliff Bemis. He has one of those lengthy careers, but just looking at his credits, he played Al Bundy's dad, a ghost of Al Bundy's dad, I should say, in a last season episode of Married with Children. One of the few hilarious moments from that final season. But it also looks like he appeared on five episodes of New Heart. Looks like the final season. He was a semi-regular character. Episode 19 is titled Randolph's Mom. The staff must think of a plan to prevent Randolph's mother from selling the manor. And playing Randolph's mother is Carol Bruce. She portrayed Mama Carlson, Lillian Carlson, on both WKRP in Cincinnati and the new WKRP in Cincinnati. Lillian Carlson would have been Arthur Carlson's mom. Arthur Carlson, of course, Gordon Jump. So Carol Bruce played Gordon Jump's mom. Well, I hope she stayed the hell away from that bike shop. Yeah, that's a different universe. This is WKRP versus different strokes, but yeah. Hopefully your son didn't invest in a bike shop at any point on WKRP. Well, obviously not because he was on the new WKRP Gordon Jump, so. True, true. That takes us to episode 20. Come flew with me. Not come fly with me, come flew with me. Oh. I think just by that groan and also that title, you almost can predict what this episode is about. And you're right. Hillary and Albert must run the entire manor by themselves when everybody else has come down with the flu. They're getting predictable in their title naming at this point, I think. Yeah, they're going for puns, but when I saw Come Flu with me, it's like, oh, people get the flu. Hilarity ensues. Episode 21 is titled Amusing Grace. Not Amazing Grace, Amusing Grace. Rick decides to withdraw himself from high society after embarrassing Hillary in public. Episode 22 is titled Button Your Bow. An old lover of Lupe shows up at the manor who was involved at one time with Hillary. Uh-oh. 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 And playing that bow named Juan Caballero, we have talked about him plenty. Legend, Luis Avalos. Oh, yeah. Talked about him in Condo. Talked about him in Condo. He played Pyramid quite a bit back in the 80s. He was on The Electric Company. Absolutely. And I'm sure we're going to talk about him again at some point. And I think he also, looking at, uh, again, IMDb, it looks like he may have been the superior to 1-1-1-2 and 1-3 on the last season of Soap. Wow! It always goes back to the wands on this podcast. Oh, yeah. It's always going to go back to the wands here. Absolutely. And actually, oh, my gosh, Greg, since we just talked about this maybe about 15, 20 minutes ago. Yeah. He was on, hold on. He was on five episodes of I Had Three Wives. <laughs> yeah, because he was the, um, was he like the captain to Victor Garber's character on I Had Three Wives? The lieutenant, yeah. The lieutenant on I Had Three Wives. 
You know what? We have to cover that. We have to cover I Had Three Wives. If we can cover A League of Their Own 1993, we can do I Had Three Wives. Oh, my gosh. And also, he was a semi-regular on E slash R, not the George Clooney series that's a drama, the George Clooney (laughs) series that's a comedy. The George Clooney ER that's a comedy with Jason Alexander. Of course, it would be right before he made it big with that Nick DLT commercial. Right. That takes us to episode 23. Oh, no, not another pun. Gorilla My Dreams. Gorilla did you, my... Wait, did you say gorilla? I, I said gorilla. Don't you mean gorilla? Hold on, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, I'm sorry. Did you hear that? My, my nugenics just went Oh, on. your nugenics is... <laughs> oh. This damn meter... But also, hang on a second. Did you say gorilla? Whether the blood sugar monitor went off or not, I did say gorilla. No, you mean gorilla. Oh, gorilla. Yes, yes, yes. That's how Mike Francesa calls it. Gorilla. Can you imagine if that was your child in there? You're going to have people who are going to say, wait a second, I'm worried about the gorilla? When your kid's in there, basically, maybe seconds from having his head crushed? We live in a world now where you are going to be more concerned with the gorilla than you are the little boy? How, where, what's wrong with you people? Oh, my gosh. The plot of this episode is when the Stonehills throw a costume party, Randolph forces Rick to masquerade as him in a gorilla suit while he goes to play poker. A real gorilla shows up and complicates things. There are no guests of note in this episode. Directing this episode, how about another connection to Benson, since we've already made a couple with uh, the other directors of the show, with Rob Dames and Paxton Whitehead. Directing this episode, and this would be right around the time Star Trek TNG started, Rene Aubergenois. Well, yeah, but later on it'd be uh, Deep Space Nine, but still. Still in the Star Trek family. Yes. And I'm not a big Star Trek fan, so I'm I'm pretty glad I knew Rene Aubergenois was in, in, in something Star Trek. In Deep Space. Oh, he was also in Star Trek Six. He was uh one of the uh Federation people that was responsible for that conspiracy to kill uh, the Klingon president. Oh, by the way, as we're recording this, David Warner, who played the Klingon president in Star Trek Six, who we talked about in SOS Titanic way back when, sadly passed away. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I know. A legend, but we'll, we'll talk more about David Warner at the end of the year with the year in review show. A, a long storied career. We'll miss him here. It was a thing on TV, but Absolutely. yeah, yes. I need to mention uh, the person who played the person in the gorilla suit. Destructo the Gorilla. What? That's the name. Destructo the Gorilla. Destructo the Gorilla. And this is actually a person. They go by the moniker Karat. C-A-R-R-O-T-T-E. And the only reason I'm mentioning that is because Karat was in a movie called Frankenhooker as a puppeteer. Oh, yes, I know all about Frankenhooker. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Yes. I've heard of the movie. 
this must have been one of those that went straight to VHS or basic cable because I see nobody in this cast that I recognize outside of Louise Lasser from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Yes. But I've heard of Frankenhooker. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I need a palate cleanser. Let's get to the last episode. That may clean it off. Episode 24, If You Knew Sushi. Oh, jeez. I think I know where this is going. And uh, So it's sushi, so it's got to be something Japanese. Oh, no. The manor is turned into a Japanese tea house for one of Randolph's clients with Albert playing the part of a geisha girl. Oh, my gosh. Ah, that's the ah, ah, you mentioned Albert is a geisha girl, and that's when it goes off. <laughs> okay, that wasn't the new genics. I'm sorry about that. Oh my gosh, that was awkward timing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we do have a name in this episode as one of those Japanese clients. Oh my gosh, I need to, I think we need to to pray for this one. Playing Asuo Asano is Ernest Harada. Greg, take a seat because this one's going to blow you away. Okay. He played Mr. Fuji on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Yes! You get the Mr. Fuji and you got the Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. That's a double win for you That's right a, there. We have to cover that. Hold on a second. You know what? The week of WrestleMania, we're covering Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. So, yeah, that's the series. And I think it's no surprise that uh, it only lasted one season. Well, one season of original run, I should say, because, again, doing research like I do from time to time, this actually ran in once a week rerun syndication, at least here in Cleveland, from 1988 to 1990. I didn't even know it ran in syndication or reran in syndication, I should say. I just remember from primetime begins at 7:30. And if you haven't heard that episode, that lasted all of one season. Because A, people weren't used to watching primetime sitcoms at 7.30, but also B, it probably got its butt handed to them by TV shows including Entertainment Tonight, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy. So yeah, it just doesn't bode well, especially when you have those types of shows airing at the 7.30 slot. And at least one of them, if not two of them, had to be running at that time at 7.30 during the primetime begins at 7.30 block. Like here, since we have a proper schedule, we had Jeopardy at 7.30. And Greg, his schedule isn't as good as ours. He gets Wheel of Fortune at 7.30. Excuse, hold on a second. Listen, as B and Chico say... If the ABC owned and operated affiliates say that the proper order is Jeopardy at 7 and Wheel at 7.30, then I'm going to... Are you going to doubt the Walt Disney Corporation? Are you going to doubt them by saying that the proper right order is Jeopardy at 7, Wheel at 7.30? No. Heck yeah. I hate the mouse. Fool this man! 
but also it is a proper way of doing it. Wheel of Fortune is your sort of get your brain warmed up. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. You do not eat dessert before dinner. No, you're correct. You have dessert at the end. Dessert is Jeopardy. That's your brain game. No, 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 no. You have the full course meal, which is Jeopardy, and then you have the dessert in Wheel of Fortune. Jeopardy is a full course meal for your brain. You're wrong, but I respect you. So, yeah, unfortunately, due to primetime being at 730, uh, if you had uh, that going on, which happened with the NBC O&Os at that point, it just got smothered by the competition. Plus, also, as we mentioned in primetime begins at 730, four of the five shows in that block just weren't that good. Marblehead Manor was not that good. We talked about we got it made. As much as we love it, uh, there's a reason it only lasted uh, one season uh, in its return. And you can't take it with you. They tried. She's the sheriff. Well, actually, she's the sheriff, I think, did have syndicated episodes. So I think it did last a season and a half or two seasons. So two shows survived uh, from the primetime begins at 730 uh, experiment. And the best show of all was out of this world. And as we said, it ran for like three seasons. And uh, again, I'm showing my bias because Steve Burton was my little league coach back in 1984. Greg, you'll love this. That was the season. I got no hits, no hits, no hits. My batting average was, was zero, 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 but my on base percentage, I had the most walks in the league. I was a picky son of a bitch. You were the Joey Gallo of your little league team. <laughs> no, I'm not the Joey Gallo because I don't know if I could hit a home run. I had just a, no, I shouldn't say I'm the Anthony Rizzo of, of my league, but that might be more apt, but you're not wrong. Joey Gallo, horrible batting average. I didn't that's even why know the he Yan- walks that much. That's why the Yankees dumped him. Wait, th- they dropped Gallo? Yeah, I think, did they drop Gallo? I hadn't heard about that. I, I didn't know if he was DFA'd or if they traded hold him. Hold on. But... If we do, we're going to hold on. Oh, he's pretty much done. He's just, Joey Gallo pretty much is, re- oh, MSN. The New York Yankees' Joey Gallo has resigned himself to the fact that he'll be suiting up with a different team after the August 2nd trade deadline. Gallo doesn't feel great about his tenure with the Yankees. In the year since he was acquired by New York in July 2021 with the Texas Rangers, Gallo has a 159 bat average with 194 strikeouts in 139 games. Joey Gallo is like the Rob Deere of our generation. Low batting average, but can hit the ball a mile. Dave Kingman hit better than that when he was with the Mets. Oh, Dave Kingman was great. Absolutely. Dave Kingman at least hit 220. He did. You're not wrong. Yeah, he he was another big power hitter, but like 220, 230 for an average for his career. Well, Joey Gallo certainly isn't going to get traded in the deadline between his stats and his contract. So he's got to be DFA'd. And I don't know who'd touch him because 
His batting average has sucked his entire career. A little update. Since we originally recorded this, Joey Gallo has been traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers for a double-A pitcher with horrible stats. He's batting a buck 59. Oh, my gosh. 194 strikeouts. He's hit 201 in his career. He has hit 201 in his career. I just have to repeat that. He gets a hit every five at-bats. He is successful 20% of the time. Oh, no. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Hold on. I got to show you. When you Google Joey Gallo, this is literally the first thing and people ask, also ask, has Joey Gallo been traded from the Yankees? <laughs> Gallo still with the Yankees? Has Joey Gallo been traded from the Yankees? Oh my and God. the end. <laughs> well, Benintendi, because the Red Sox traded Benintendi to the Royals about two years ago, doing uh, really well uh, in the playoffs in October uh, versus the Red Sox, because the Red Sox traded Benintendi to the Royals about two years ago. And of course, you, know, you don't want a former Red Sox coming to bite you in the butt. That is great. What I gotta look up when the last time Joey Gallo got a hit. Let's oh he got a hit on July twenty second against the Orioles. That's over a week ago. A week ago. <laughs> and the last hit before that he had a I think he may have had a home run against the Red Sox on the seventeenth. Okay, so he's only had one hit since the All Star break, as of the time we're recording this. That's three series. Oh my gosh. I love that we took a break from t- discussing the end of Head Manor to talk about Joey Gallo. He'll end up with some uh, cellar dweller. There's no chance he's going to a, a good team or even a semi-good team, not with that 201 batting average for his career. And he's only 28, which is amazing. He's been around for like eight seasons at this point. Eight seasons and he can barely get over the Mendoza line. That's bad. And he's got how many millions from the Yankees and the Rangers? Oh, he, he was paid really, really well, I think, uh, uh, two or three seasons ago with the uh, with the Rangers. But, yeah, that's Marblehead Manor in a nutshell with a little bit of Joey Gallo sprinkled in between. There was just very little chance uh, any of the five shows that aired uh, in the primetime begins at 730 block being renewed. And amazingly, She's the Sheriff was one of them. And we're going to cover that one day, I hope. But yeah, the, the Out of This World is by far the best of the bunch. And the other three are sort of footnotes to history, unfortunately. Or fortunately. And as one might expect, Marblehead Manor is not streaming anywhere. And Marblehead Manor is not available on DVD. It's probably a good thing. I should amend that a little bit. There are Marblehead Manor DVDs, but they're not official. They're just DVDs made from recordings that uh, somebody recorded 35 years ago. That they're probably selling on iOffer.com or somewhere. Yeah, uh, there's ways to get it. I know there are uh, through some of these websites, but uh, yeah, you're you're not going to see Marblehead Manor get a proper release. And it's not streaming anywhere right now, so... You might want to go to YouTube to find some episodes of 
not terribly legal quality, let's say. The only way you're going to see these episodes is via video sites like YouTube and, and Daily Motion. So I think uh, that's it. What do we have to say about Marblehead Manor? It tried. It had a good cast. Hilarity ensued somewhat. But when your main competition is Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune and PM Magazine and Entertainment Tonight, unfortunately, your show becomes just a thing on TV. Yeah. But Mike. Yeah. You said you don't have anything for eBay prices, right? I was going to do some stuff, but no, I, I, I'm not going to do eBay prices right. But what do you have? I have something for. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. I got something for non eBay prices, right? Oh, play that sexy sex music. So, Mike, this is going to be a little different. So, we are going to do this one right price style, like you did with me that one time. But what you are bidding on is, now, as you know, the Brooklyn Cyclones, the Mets minor league team in Brooklyn, does an annual tribute to Seinfeld night. Yeah. They had this special pin for their Seinfeld tribute night that you can buy on the team store online for the Brooklyn Cyclones right now. This is what it is. This is the pin. It is a silhouette of Jackie Childs. Oh, that is cool. Yes. Yeah, what it is, is it's a rectangular pin uh, with Brooklyn Cyclones in the Seinfeld logo typeface with a red background and yeah, that Jackie Childs sort of caricature. Yeah. And this is available in the team shop. Yes. Either online or at the Brooklyn Cyclones team store. So, okay. So I'm going to give you three prices and you're going to guess what the price is. Okay. All right. Five ninety nine, six ninety nine, or seven ninety nine. Oh, that's tough. I thought you'd spread it out a little more, but that's fine. I th- I'm going to say $7.99 just based on similar pins I've seen. Not obviously Brooklyn Cyclones or Jackie Childs, but similar pins because I see that uh, that backing. And I know I've bought pins for, uh, from that company at like Progressive Field and uh, some minor league team stores. So we'll go $7.99. Oh, you're off by a buck, $6.99. I was thinking about it, but that, that just didn't seem like a, a nice round price. $7 when you could pay 6 or 8 but I'd buy that. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do with it, but I'd buy that. Oh, yeah. And also, if you go to the Brooklyn Cyclones team shop online, you could get this. Hold on. You could get the official Brooklyn Marble Rye hat from New Era. 
The Marble Riot hat. Oh, no. And I own this. I'm a proud owner of a Brooklyn Marble Rye hat, which is basically the scene where George has the Marble Rye from the fish hook. And apparently this logo, the Marble Rye has hands. I don't get that. I don't get that. I guess it's stealth sneaking in. It's, but he's trying. I think it's stealth sneaking up. I think I don't know the point of this logo, but it's hilarious. And it's got goggles for some reason. The marble rye has goggles. Looking at that hat, I can hear Estelle Harris. I can hear Estelle Harris. And uh, Jerry uh, Stiller driving with uh, with uh, George in the car, going to the dinner. Oh my gosh! We're gonna take. They have we're gonna of- go get a more variety snitches. We're gonna teach them some taste. <laughs> and, and looking at that, it looks like unless you're seven and five eighths or seven and three quarters, they got your size hat in stock. So they even have uh, my big melon head, an eight in stock or a seven and seven eighths. Well, that price, that price though is a little high, but. Well, I already have a, I'm seven, five, eights, but I already have the hat though. So I, I don't you're, even You're care. taking care of. You're I'm fine. taking care of. So I'm sorry for the rest of you fellow seven, five, eightsers, but yeah. You know, what's also so funny is that freaking uh, Susan's dad in that episode of Seinfeld is played by uh, Warren Frost, who's the the father of Twin Peaks co-creator Mark Frost. And you know he was on Twin Peaks? I think we've talked about that at yes. some point. Maybe not on the show, but we definitely talked about that. But, but yes. you know what that means? What he's, that mean? he's the grandson of Lucas Cholino from the White Sox. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. Lucas Cholino is related to the creator of of Twin Peaks. Yeah, he's oh yeah, gosh. Mark Frost, that's his uncle. The co-creator. So whenever you think of Lucas Giolito, remember his uncle created Twin Peaks with David Lynch. Well, I'm sorry to say uh, the Guardians faced Lucas Giolito last weekend and Giolito just absolutely sucked. Well, he does have a no-hitter though. He has a no-hitter absolutely. He, he's in the club of People that James McCann caught with a no-hitter with Tyler McGill, all the other Mets who threw that combined no-hitter, and Edwin Diaz. Sadly, I do not have... If this was a video podcast, we'd insert the clip of Mr. and Mrs. Met playing the trumpets for Edwin Diaz. Yeah, Giolito last week, six earned runs in three innings. Not a good outing for him. All right. Oh. oh, and also, well, whoa, I'm looking at the box score. You know what happened in the first inning against Giolito? Oh, let me guess. You're going to say that you won the trade. Well, guess what, Mike? The joke's on you because Francisco Lindor homer tonight, and he had another RBI, so he had two RBIs. And guess who also won the game? Carlos Carrasco. <laughs> I, I do have a response. Th- that person who, who homered off of Giolito also homered today. 
Three RBIs. Yeah, like that matters. Francisco Lindor also homered. So, like, that's better. But, hey, who's in first place, baby? Who's in first place? Who's in... Get past the Jobber Twins. Get back to me. You can't even get past the team that the Yankees sweep in three games every year. (laughs) Well, the Guardians are only a game and a half back right now. (laughs) But yeah, he, he did have three RBIs and a home run today. Uh, and I think he's up to like almost fifty RBIs. Oh, so. fifty RBI! Oh, fifty RBIs! Oh, yeah, forty-nine. Yes. Forty-nine. Oh, let, hold on a second. Forty R. You're forty RBIs, my ass. Forty-nine. Forty-nine RBIs. Lindor's almost at seventy. Forty-nine RBIs. Don't give me that. Okay. Well, you know. When you're basically batting after like Fran Mill Reyes, there's not many opportunities to get RBIs. Oh, bullshit. also, please remember, Andres Jimenez started at second base for the AL. Oh, year. yeah, big honking asterisks on that. Big honking asterisks. Freaking because Altuve didn't play. Big whoop. You know what? We need a shirt that says big honking asterisks. If we sold shirts, that would be like one of the shirts we'd sell. Big honking asterisks. And it'd be a big asterisk. Well, Greg, I know a way to end this show right now. Did we say that this was a thing on TV? No, uh, yeah, I did say that. Okay. But I also need to remind you, what is the 49 RBIs by Andres Jimenez multiplied by six? It's 294. That's how many shows we've done, and you can listen to all of them, and it was a thing on TV.com. Can you believe I intertwined Andres Jimenez into... This is how sad you are. This is how sad you are that you have to feel better about your freaking jobber team that can't get past the jobber twins. But okay, yeah, you can listen to all the previous episodes of this. You can listen to our live shows or our past mini-sodes. Hey, now that I'm done with all my summer stuff at the time this is being released, me and Chico, we're going to do uh, that live watch of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan that we've been promising. And also, we're going to go through the rest of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. So we did the first two episodes a while back. We still got four more to go. So that'll be something to look forward to. And also, Andor coming on Disney Plus from Star Wars. I can't wait for that. And we're at all the socials at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, because the Iron Sheik threatened to humble Mark Zuckerberg up the you-know-where. We're at at It Was A Thing On TV podcast. And don't forget, on YouTube, find us there. Subscribe to us. Hit that notification bell. And when you hit that bell, you're going to be kept up to date with our recent uploads at YouTube. And coming next week, all right, we already referred to this throughout this episode, it seems. It looks like we talked about it probably two, three times. But next week, we have a very special episode. 
related to, well, not even really related to somebody that we talked about quite a bit on the podcast. And even this person isn't even in this episode, but we're celebrating this person's birthday with this episode. And if you've listened to our podcast long enough, you may have an idea as to either what we're covering next week or why we're covering that show next week. Uh, also, uh, to begin the week, we're going to talk about one of UPN's series in the late 90s that really, when you hear the name, it invokes an image and the series, to be honest, has nothing to do with that image. No, seriously. I, I, I thought this series was something totally different because uh, I didn't really see it back in the day. But also, we have a mini-sode next week, and it's about one of the not necessarily famous incidents in daytime TV history, almost one of the most infamous moments. And I think it was actually cut out when it originally aired, but over the last 25 years, it's been rerun plenty of times on a variety of networks. So we'll give you two episodes next week, and we're going to give you a mini-sode next week right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Chico, we miss you. But I hope we held down the fort for you pretty well. Greg, thank you as always. We will see you next week with two great episodes and a great mini-sode. Roar for us, Greg. Wow! Now Blanche is depressed, Rose. Do you think she's depressed about Rebecca? No, Rose. She's depressed because Marblehead Manor is only on once a week. <laughs> Timing is everything in a farce, hence the failure of Marblehead Manor.